0: I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, What legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us on the Awaken My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice to create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but I'm more interested in her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today, we have Elizabeth Gore and Carolyn Rods. They are the founders of Hello Alice, which helps businesses launch and grow. A multi channel platform powered by machine learning technology, Hello Alice guides business owners by providing access to funding, networks, and services. Through a network of over half a million companies in all 50 states and across the globe, Hello Alice is building the largest community of business owners in the country while tracking data and trends to increase owner success rates. It's a free multi-channel platform powered by AI technology. Elizabeth Gore serves as a co-founder and the president of Hello Alice. People Magazine named her one of its top 100 extraordinary women. Fast Company called her one of the most creative people in business, and she was named one of Entrepreneur Magazine's Women to Watch. She's been featured in media outlets like ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox Business, Fortune, Glamour, and Time. Carolyn Rod serves as the founder and CEO of Hello Alice. And prior to Hello Alice, Carolyn launched the world's first completely virtual accelerator, supporting over 300 women from across the United States and internationally, helping them raise over $76 million in investments. Carolyn was recognized as a 17 Women to Watch by Inc. magazine, was named Hispanic CEO of the Year by the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and has been featured in Inc., Forbes, Fortune, and more. Please welcome to the show, Elizabeth and Caroline. Howdy. It's
1: great to be with y'all.
0: Everybody. <laughs> Loving the American accent. <laughs> Absolutely love it. <laughs> I just want to thank both of you ladies for agreeing to come on the show and share your story with us and tell us all about your business. And hello, Alice. I'm just excited to jump straight into the conversation. Amazing. Thanks for having us and um, hello to everyone listening. We've got a huge international audience. We've got a big audience in the US. We've got an audience in the UK, in Australia, um, you know, across the Caribbean. So we've got listeners from all over the globe. Before we get started, I love to ask as an icebreaker question, uh, you know, because as kids, we have these vivid imaginations of who we want to be and, you know, what we want to do when we grow up before society, you know, starts to limit us and and shift our paradigms of what we believe is possible. I would love to know, like, what did both of you want to be when you were a little girl?
2: I was probably all over the map. I think everything from a teacher, a lawyer, gosh, an oceanographer, a psychologist. I, I ran like the whole gamut. I think Interestingly, all along the way, I was running businesses um, and they started with, you know, stealing rocks from our neighbor's garden and painting them, and <laughs> selling them, or raking my neighbor's lawns and then asking them to pay me a quarter for it. Uh, I used to babysit a lot. I love the Babysitter's Club books. <laughs> if <anybody saw> <laughs> And I ran mine like a business. Like I had file folders on every client, and it was very, I don't know, super nerdy about it. Why does it? that not surprise me at all? I could <laughs> just see you as seven year old Carolyn with your little filing system.
0: I did. I literally
2: asked my parents for Christmas one year for a file cabinet. Um, and even when I was little, like my favorite gifts were office supplies. So yeah, <laughs> I love it. Somewhere in the DNA, I guess. What about you, Elizabeth?
1: You know, um, so I grew up around agriculture, cattle and horses, and I loved it. And I 100% thought that I would be managing a a huge ranch or be a veterinarian. And uh, my degree was in that was actually in animal science around cattle. So that was definitely my, you know, you said before society changes us. But that was all I'd seen around me, and that's all I knew. But it, but I also loved it, and so I was cowgirl hat all
2: the way. That hasn't changed much, too. <laughs> so it still looks good in the cowboy hat.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't gone too far from my roots.
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay, so share with us the story of how Hello Alice came to be.
2: Uh, we c- came, and Elizabeth can, can chat on. on her side of this, but I think what I love about our story is that we came from very different perspectives, but landed in a very similar place. Um was that I would say our story started in a, in a tent at a conference when we got into a conversation, but I had prior to that run uh, two other businesses, one that had failed and one that I had successfully exited. And it was those two experiences that really made me realize First, how much opportunity opened up once there was a track record of success, um, but also how beneficial all those resources would have been on day one for a small business owner. Um, and, and two, you know, I think the other piece of that was that the same entrepreneur can have very different experiences based on the, the access to, to knowledge and networks and capital that they have. And so it, it seemed, it sort of boggled my mind that there wasn't, an efficient way to connect entrepreneurs with the resources that they needed to grow, with the capital that they needed to grow their businesses. seemed like a lot of people were putting a lot of energy together, but there was nothing that was really pulling the ecosystem together and making it easy for entrepreneurs based on who they were as individuals um, and the type of company that they were trying to grow. Um, And when I met Elizabeth, I think she came from a a very macro perspective. Elizabeth, I'd love for you to, to dig in on that piece. Uh, but really, I think you know we're both aligned with seeing this massive opportunity. That if these entrepreneurs succeeded, everybody succeeded, right? The government succeeded, and corporations succeeded. Obviously, the business owners themselves succeeded. The organizations that supported those entrepreneurs succeeded. And, and what a cool opportunity that was there!
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm excited that you have an international audience. When I when I did get off the ranch, I went into the Peace Corps and was a volunteer in South America and then came back and worked a decade uh, for the United Nations around the UN Foundation's work around everything from girls' education to ensuring malaria bed nets were getting to the right places to finally looking at economics and seeing how we can infuse entrepreneurship uh, in different environments. And what I learned, mostly my time was across countries on the continent of Africa. And what I saw was where there was uh, particularly women who could start and own their own businesses, whether those were micro or macro businesses, the entire economy would change, healthcare would get better, education would be stronger. So I got really passionate about the, the critically important focus on uh, entrepreneurship, and when I started focusing back home, I then I then went to work for Michael Dell, and Dell at the time was operating in 33 countries. And what I saw again was if technology was available to start those businesses, it was again you had just a different type of society. And so um, when I met Carolyn, it was it was so fortuitous because she's highly technical. And had really gone through these personal experiences of our own businesses. And I had this um, more purview of, you know, how are we getting this at scale? And so the rest is history. When you put two women together and give them just a heartbeat to figure things out, I think we get
0: things done. Absolutely. Together we can do so much more. (laughs) Yes yes, so elizabeth you you spoke to you know some of the benefits and successes that have happened um, since forming the company. What's one of the biggest or most memorable uh success stories that you guys have seen?
1: Oh my goodness uh well, it's ironic we're talking because our software has been live five years this week. Carolyn and I congratulations have been at this. thank you. We've been at this since uh we we track it with our two youngest sons who were born around the same times and they're seven and eight. And uh, so that's, that's how long we've been climbing this mountain, but you know, there, there are small wins and there's huge wins. I remember when we had this partnership with Bumble and Serena Williams and 8,000 women came onto the platform very quickly uh, to get support. And we just celebrated that. And now we're at 800,000. But I, I still really cling to those early. You know, years when one person mattered, and we still hold that in our hearts that that one person getting support matters. So that, that's a real uh, moment for me that I think about. The day we launched really matters to me five years ago when we had a very simple product. And you know, Carolyn, what 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 are some of yours?
2: Yeah, those certainly the ones you mentioned. Um, it brings back like so many memories as we think through sort of this journey of what it was like to to build. And I think that's always been something for us just culturally that. But- to Elizabeth's point, every single owner, we don't call the the people, the humans on our platform users. We've always called them owners and trying to constantly remind ourselves no matter how many, how big this community becomes and how many we are, everybody's story is so unique and so individual. And um, that's one of the things that we're always trying to do is just to share those stories. But I remember, I mean, walking out when we found out Melinda Gates was going to put money behind our business, it was like the world changed. Or that first time Jean Case came and met with us and said she was going to invest, uh, or Jackie Zainer, it was these, these women who stepped up, Kathy Reed, primarily women in the beginning, that stepped up and said, we actually believe in what you're building and we think there's something here. What a validator that was, that, that we were building something meaningful. And then when we let our seed round and had, you know, venture funds, like Signia Ventures, led by Zothed at the time, who's on our board, just having these people that were were validating at every turn, but also the owners constantly sending us notes and saying, hey, this opportunity changed the trajectory of my business. Or, you know, I I learned about this grant and I got $5,000. My business has never been the same since. Like it put me on a different path. And to me, like the, the, the same validation that we get from people believing in us is the same validation that I hope we can give to others by opening up many of these opportunities.
0: Yeah, I, I love the impact that you ladies are making. Like, obviously, you know, hearing the stories and getting that that validation helps to drive and, and push you forward. But I'd love to know, like, what inspires you most about what you do? Like, what keeps you going every day? If we all know entrepreneurship can be a struggle.
2: It's the owners. I mean, it is these small business owners and you talk to them and it, it seems like it's almost... The timing is really amazing because every time it's like, if we're going through, you know, a, a major hurdle and trying to to work around something or something's off track or not as we planned, that's always the time that the business owners show up and are like, this, this is amazing. Like what you're doing is helping me so tremendously in these ways. And they send notes and they send Instagram messages and, and. We meet them in person all the time. And it it's to me, that is the, the fuel. And I think for our team, like that is a fuel for us. We just did as a team, a small business scavenger hunt as part of National Small Business Week where we went out and the whole team had gift cards and we had to go out and make these purchases at all these different types of businesses in our communities. And the energy that our team came back with, like this is why we're doing this. It's to help these people that are making a difference in their own communities. And we get that validation at, at every turn. and it's. And the feedback from them, right? If this is what I need more of, this is what isn't working. Here's where I'm struggling with my business. And those are the things that we set out to go fix. And let's bring in the right partners. Let's bring the right corporations. Let's bring the right organizations in to go make a real change here and not just you know, throw up a piece of content on a platform, but let's actually go really change the way that this operates. Let's change the way these small businesses access capital. Let's change the tools that they have. You know, if going to a bank isn't working for them, what else can we provide? How else can we structure this so that they can get the money that they need?
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say that we, <laughs> Carolyn and I, because I, I really want to be transparent with all the women out there listening. We we get pushed when people say either something can be done or when people we care about are marginalized. And you know, we, we called very early on our owner base, or user base, as, as most people would say, the new majority. We were tired of the minority term. We were tired of this being a, quote, high risk group or a not profitable group. And so we decided early that we were going to be a for profit company and work towards profitability to show that women and people of color, U.S. veterans and other groups are both the new majority and the best business owners when they get equal access to capital. So, you know, we have a stubborn streak in us that um, pushes us pretty hard as well. And in our early seed rounds, you know, we got told no over 200 times. And now I will say four rounds of funding later, we were oversubscribed with our series B Oh, with interest and excitement, of very traditional VCs who wanted to back this company, and I really think that that's exciting to show that the owner base we work with are the future of our
2: economy. Yeah, I would say there are two types of entrepreneurs. I think there are those that hear a no, and and you know it breaks them down, and then there are entrepreneurs that hear a no, and it fires them up. And I think Elizabeth, Elizabeth and I both fall into that category. If you tell us no, we're gonna find a way. Uh, and it gets us, it really drives us. And I think there's, there are always an entrepreneurship you're going to, you're going to hit those blockers at every turn. And I think that's what really makes entrepreneurs like that's their superpower, right? Is the ability to take that, take that no and, and show them that there is a way.
0: Yeah. You guys are my kind of girls. Like anytime I hear about women entrepreneurs who are like rebels and going against the grain and paving their own path, like I get really excited. Part of, you know, the the women who listen to the show, a lot of them are entrepreneurs, but some of them are not. Um, for the ones that are, like, what advice can you share uh, for small business owners looking to raise capital?
1: Well, there's a few things. I would say make sure raising capital is the right thing for you. I think that the, you know, media and other areas have really glamorized uh, raising capital. And I would just say, you know, Carolyn always says the number one place you can get capital is from your customers. So, You know, is giving up equity and raising capital right for you, or is a small business loan or other areas of capital? If you do decide it's right, which we did as a software company, is extremely expensive uh, to build software, and then you want to think through: okay, a, do I? How do I make the time? We're very lucky to be co-founders because. One person generally goes in almost full time to raise capital. So you have to carve that time out. Then really thinking through how much should you raise? What is your business worth? What type of investors are will be good for your business, both from your values, the connections they can make, the network capability they can build, how you work together, really thinking through all of that. And then go get them. Don't take no for an answer. You know, um, being told no is just strengthening for the next one. And learning from those no's and and, and charging forward is what you have to do in this environment.
2: Yeah, I'd also add, uh, I think being able to hear, you're going to hear a lot of feedback and everybody has an opinion. And remembering that these investors, brilliant as many of them are, don't know your business the way that you know it. And so being able to recognize that there is advice that you need to listen to, and there's a advice that you're going to have to to know in your gut is not right for your business. And I'll give an example. I mean, we had a lot of people tell us early on that focusing on new majority entrepreneurs was not a, a payable business, were the words we heard, and that it wasn't a, a good audience for us, and that we were putting ourselves in a niche that was better suited for a nonprofit versus a for profit business. Um, and that was something that Elizabeth and I fundamentally disagreed with, and we heard it multiple times and we said this is not right for us. We we know there's a way here. Conversely, there was a lot of really good advice that we got from investors that you know as they were looking at our model and saying, "Look, this doesn't this isn't highly scalable or this isn't, you know, the way that you need to to proceed." And we were able to make adjustments and incorporate that in ways that really did strengthen our business. So I think the process of fundraising can be really really helpful to your business, but I think as a founder, you have to really filter through what you're hearing otherwise you sort of get into this you know, ping pong ball effect where you're like bouncing all over the place and you almost lose, lose your path. So I think holding conviction to what you know to be true, uh, but also not be, you know, holding everything as, as, you know, sacred so that you have the flexibility to build a stronger business.
0: I I love that you spoke about, you know, how, you know, you push through those adversities of, you know, what people told you not to do and what you were still able to do. I would love to know, like, what other adversities have you guys had to experience as female entrepreneurs?
1: Well, um, there, there are things that I wouldn't call adversity. They, I think they actually make us stronger, but are, are the absolute realities of women entrepreneurs. Um, Carolyn and I both had, have small children. We were pregnant when we started talking about this business almost at the same time. We've had aging parents that we care for and still care for. So I think that in addition to the business, there's a lot going around women because we orbit, but I think that makes us extre- extremely efficient. I think it makes us good managers. It makes us put our interpersonal energy into something other than our egos for the business. So I would say that, again, it's not a challenge, but it's it's something unique to women that makes us stronger. I would say the challenge that shocked me, and I still get shocked by it, is the inherent bias for women in business. I I I really was idealistic, thinking if we have the best numbers, if we have the best business plan, it will not matter. I was completely wrong. (laughs) Women have to work twice as hard to get into the same rooms. We have to work twice as many meetings to get capital. Um, you, You tend to get discounted before you open your mouth, and so I was very shocked by that. And I continue to be shocked. I was with um, the new CEO, The Wing, the other night, and about 20 women in a room who are just badasses, just, you know, big executives kicking ass. And I was, my jaw was on the ground with some of their stories, even today. So I do think there is inherent bias that we are working through. I think it's getting better.
2: But it, it is real.
0: It is very real. Totally agree with you on that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's it's this balance of being able as a woman, I think, to do it the way that we know best, right? And in how do we work? And it is different in certain ways, right? I think there is a sense of community in the way that we lead teams and you build relationships. And again, there's generalities and exceptions to every single rule here. But I think not trying to sort of fall into the mold also, like what is actually right. And I think an example of that is Elizabeth and I used to... You know, people would have told us we were crazy for starting a tech company with young children and that we were you know, primary caretakers for. I think both of our husbands also work and the majority of childcare fell on us in, in the early days. I think since we'll say, you know, it's it's shifted, I think our husbands, like, obviously, like, pitch in and as the company's grown, have, have really stepped up. And I, but I think it's, it is different. And I think saying, look, we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to show them, and it, it is, you have to prove it at every point, but also building it. The way that we need to, we would bring our kids to the park, and we bring our laptops, and we'd sit there and we'd work for hours, and they would play with each other and entertain each other so that we could get our work done. Uh, Or we'd work late nights after the kids were asleep because that's when we had you know time where we weren't going to be interrupted. I think COVID was a great equalizer in some sense of opening everybody up to here's the way that we all actually work. We all have this stuff going on in the background, and it's it's the way that we operate. So I think a silver lining, perhaps, was that it, it put a little bit more of a lens into the the reality for all of us.
0: I think it's great that you, you know, shared that part because I know for myself, even when I first, you know, was going through my divorce back in 2009 and I was a single mother, like single mother of three, my kids were younger and, you know, full-time entrepreneur. And I was in real estate at the time, but I was bringing the kids with me in the car to do open houses and, you know, showings and, when I shifted into personal development, they were coming with me to my book signings and speaking engagements. And there are women that may want to get into entrepreneurship or they're in the beginning parts of their entrepreneurship and feel like, oh, I can't because I have kids or I can't do this. But when they hear that you make your children a part of the journey, it's not sacrificing your children to pursue your passion, you're still able to pursue your passions and your, your kids are observing that sacrifice. yeah, are you
1: kidding me <laughs> the summer so we have four kids and, and they're best friends. We had one girl and three boys in this crew. in the summer Carolyn and I are we always come together in the summers to work as much as we can. the kids stay together. And uh, they had their own businesses going this summer. And remember, they're 7, they're seven 8, and, and 9, and 10. And, uh, and we, and Carol and I were exhausted. We were having to work for them, for their businesses. It was just the funniest thing. But they were making a couple hundred bucks at these farmer's markets. And we thought, wow, they're way ahead of us where we were at that age, obviously. So it's, it is. I think it's awesome
2: for these kids to see their mamas kicking ass our small business scavenger hunt that we just did last week. And Elizabeth and I both took our kids out and they were, they were meeting these business owners and going to things and like really understanding, like, these are, these are real people that are running. It's not like you're just walking into a store to buy a product. Like somebody made this product and somebody sold it to the store and the store is now like hiring these people that are selling you this product. And they see the whole sort of chain of it, but also what a difference their purchase makes. And it makes them think about where, what products are they buying and what does that mean and how they spend their money matters and it, it builds, I think, just an awareness in any line of work, right? The lens that you get to see as a child through your parents is is so cool. And also hats oh. off to you, Mikini, for single parenting there. <laughs> my my stint when I moved in with Elizabeth and my husband stayed behind, I it really gave me a totally different perspective on on what that means. And it's it's tough. And I had Elizabeth and a great support network there around me and, and it's still tough. So
0: yeah, I know there's a lot of single moms that are in my DMs on Instagram, and they always ask, you know, questions about how I have managed for so long with my kids. But you know, to speak to the point that you guys were saying earlier about the awareness of when your kids see you working as an entrepreneur, you know, my kids, like I said, have watched me ever since uh, I went through my divorce in 2009, and their drive and desire to be entrepreneurs is beautiful. Like you know, with kids, some things are taught and some things are caught. But when they watch you, like my my eldest has multiple streams of income. She runs a tattoo shop. She does like custom nails. She does custom shoes. She's got like all these different things going on. My middle child is like a social media influencer, like their desire to be their own boss. But things may have been different had I worked a nine to five or, you know, them not seeing the hustle, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's interesting when I think there's the... I, I think kids are for me. It's that balance of they both force me to have a little more work-life balance because I know I have to be there for them, and they'll call me out when they're like, "You've been on your computer like every night for the last, you know, ten nights, or you've got your cell phone every time we go out. Like, put your cell phone away." So they they challenge me. I think to put it away and know that I have to. There is other. There are other things in my life that that I do need to focus on. Um, but they also i think get to to your point, I mean I think getting to see that it is hard and it, it takes a lot of work, but we also get to build you know as as entrepreneurs we get to build the reality that works for us, which I think is probably one of the the coolest parts of it right that it's not it isn't the nine to five um it's probably oftentimes i think the nine to midnight but um but we the get to 24/7. build <laughs>
1: yeah I think the great the great resignation, as they're calling it, um, if you look at it on a positive note, it's it's people taking control of their lives and their destiny and taking calculated risks towards the way they want to live, the way they want to work, what's their purpose in life. um i i I know that there's a lot of concerns about it, but I also think there's an
0: extreme silver lining around it. I agree with you on that. A lot of the narratives that are out there, sometimes I have to look at, you know, where they even stem from. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about amplifying the voices of women and, and us controlling our narratives and telling our stories, because a lot of the narratives out there are or were controlled by men, you know, for, for their advantage. But I think as women, as mothers, being able to set that example, to change the narrative, uh, to control our own narrative, to make a difference for the future.
1: Agreed. I think this, um, as we're talking about all our kids, this next generation, they, they got it. They're way ahead of us. And the exciting thing is it's never been uh, more cost efficient to start a business. It's getting cheaper and cheaper to start a business and with technology and digital tools. And of course, our goal at Hello Alice is to get you the capital you need to start your business. I think we're in a, a, a game changing time for folks I mean, I I never, you know, in college, I don't think I heard the word entrepreneurship once. And so I think you're going to have folks thinking a little bit more about being a business owner versus going into a corporate environment or a different environment as, as their career path, which I think is very exciting.
0: Absolutely. With the pandemic, like a lot of businesses had to shift or pivot. Some businesses were able to thrive, you know, some people had to shut down. I'm, I'm curious, how did the pandemic affect Hello Alice? Well,
1: um, you had the we had a very, just like I think every other business in America, just huge fear and, and excuse me, business around the globe. Where Carolyn and I, our board told us they want us to cut 20% costs immediately. And so we cut back costs. We had a really difficult decision to lay some employees off. Um, and we tried to be very responsible with our cash flow. And, you know, but we also kept our purpose to help small business owners. And we ended up growing 1100% during the pandemic. And,
0: you know, wow. I think. A,
1: If I look back on that, you know, we really, Carol and I stuck to what do our small business owners need right now? And so we pivoted and built the COVID-19 business center in a week. And we had almost 200,000 small business owners going through that weekly to try and get help to apply for financial resources, to help with their mental health, to even those who needed to close down, closing down your business with dignity and not ruining your credit And so we, I think, I don't know, Carolyn, I think we had, when the pandemic started, we had less than 20 employees and now we just peaked over a hundred folks working at Hello Wallace. So it's been a time of growth and transformation, not without
2: heartache. Yeah, it was, I think the greatest lesson there and one that we always knew, and I think it was something that was really core to our culture, but just solidified for all of us was if we keep the business owners first and at the forefront we're going to make the right decisions as a company. And it was, to Elizabeth's point, scary. We had put a ton of money into a huge marketing campaign launch that we were going to be running at South by Southwest, which got canceled, you know, days before the event. Uh, it threw off our entire annual marketing plan that we'd spent months and spent a ton of money putting together. And it was a huge pivot. And I think immediately, of course, that was the first thing it was like, Oh my God, everything's falling apart. And then, Within 24 hours, we were like, if this is happening to us, we're a venture-backed company. We've, you know, we're a tech company. What is happening to these small business owners right now? What are they feeling? And we changed everything. We had a grants program that we were gonna deploy at the end of the year. We ended up pulling it together emergency grants. Grants have now become, you know, a core piece of of our offering. And we've learned a lot of different ways that we can leverage those to access capital and and build new tools. So it really did change everything for us. Um, But I think the the biggest takeaway was just solidifying that it's customers first, like put your audience at at the forefront, and you'll do what's what's right by them. And ultimately, that's the right thing for your business.
1: The other thing we had to do just functionally as a business is we we had two, we had office with three offices that we closed and um, became a fully virtual company. And that that really has been a net positive for us. Also saved us over 20 grand a month, by the way. The other thing that we had to just have sheer flexibility. Most of our team has children that were not in school. So we had to ensure we were being flexible and supportive of those who were homeschooling their kids. We had a lot of younger employees move back home to care for their parents. So it was also a time of extreme flexibility. We did not see anything drop off during that. The productivity stayed high and in fact was almost too high because I think people were putting so much into their work because they had not a lot else to do. But it also was a, a big transition on the way we work where we've learned a lot from that in a very positive way.
0: Yeah, it sounds like I don't know what the, the actual numbers would be, but it sounds based on, you know, all the women that I've had conversations with that have run businesses, like anyone who was in the online space thrived. And then anyone who had like brick and mortars, you know, had to to pivot or struggled a little bit. I would love to know, like, what do you guys foresee in the near future for women in tech?
2: There was a huge demand, I think it it. You know, Over the course of the last few years, I think diversity has become not just a, oh, that's a nice thing to have, which is what we heard a lot of before, and sort of a lot of just these soft talking points, but I think companies are very much being held accountable for the teams that they lead and for the communities that they support and ensuring that those are inclusive. And so that has been you know, very positive. I think when we think specifically about women in tech, opportunities have opened up significantly for that audience where they're in incredibly high demand right now. I was catching up with one of our former engineers who now works in blockchain space and, and with crypto. And she's like, there's, I mean, just opportunity coming everywhere. So there's there's a ton happening, which is exciting. I think the flexibility that our new working environment has brought is a, a huge net positive for women in tech. The ability to work from your home, the ability to you know have the flexibility to go pick up your kid from school, I think before, I'm like, how did this work? What was everybody doing for childcare? Like, how is this? How are people actually juggling this? Was everybody paying for daycare? Because it just doesn't work without it. Um, And now I think there is flexibility to be able to, to, again, build that structure that works. I think companies are recognizing to be competitive, they absolutely have to have that flexibility if they're going to retain their workforce. Um, So I would say net positive for women in tech, I still don't think we have enough of them. Uh, and I think we still are seeing some of those, you know, career plateaus happening. And so I think we need more investment on getting women to to rise up through the ranks and uh, not just sort of checking the box for the numbers, but actually making sure women are in the right positions to have impact. And even when they're in those positions, that they're they have the support and endorsement. And, and you know, as Elizabeth was saying before, that there isn't that you know bias that's happening. And, and whether it's conscious or subconscious, how do we how do we work to really eliminate that? But I think that's going to be time and critical mass of women on top.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you know we've we've talked about you know the the pressures of you know being a woman in business, being a mother, a wife, our mental health, like dealing with the pandemic, all of those things. I would actually love to know like do each of you have like a self care routine to make sure that you know your well being is also um, taken care of? Because so I know with all of those tasks and titles and hats that we wear as women, like the, the burnout and, and those things can be very real if we're not having some form of balance or in harmony or living like holistically.
1: It's so funny because I, I, self-care is so important and we all talk about it. And I, I'll just be really honest. There are weeks where I do great at it and there's weeks that it just goes to shit <laughs> So, but my, I mean, my, I would say my three things are exercise. I, no matter what's going on in the world, I do try and exercise five days a week. And it's also my only time to be alone, which I really enjoy. And then I really enjoy uh, my cocktails and having a good time, uh, which is normally with my husband. And then um, I have the best group of girlfriends on the planet. And uh, we use an app called Marco Polo, where we all, talk to each other privately, but can keep up with each other. And, and then we have our girls trips. So
2: I I guess those would be my, my big three.
0: What about you, Carolyn?
2: Yeah. Mine similarly ebbs and flows. Um, It's primarily, I mean, I love to go on walks and I have a good friend and neighbor that we often will kind of try to escape for a walk at some point um, and just get a little kind of break from everything I love just I mean, hanging out with kids for me is a great balance to everything because it's it's probably the one thing that truly gets my mind off of work because I have to be present and in the moment. Um, So whether that's going and hitting some tennis balls or going to the park or doing whatever, uh, it's just a good a good kind of counterbalance to to work. Uh, And then I do love my a long time. I mean, I think just having a moment to to myself for me, like white space, is so critical to piece things together and to connect the dots. I feel like that's where we sort of, for me, I mean, I think it it makes these like big moves. Like I can kind of percolate and go round and round on things and swirl a bit. But when I take a step back and just have a block of time and a whiteboard and I can just start mapping things out or sticky noting, you know, a wall, it's just, it's clarity. And I do that with everything. I could do it with things in my personal life. I could do it with work things. It's just like, I get it in a list and I feel organized and structured calm. Like it's a very calming experience. Um, So those are probably my, my three.
0: Yeah. I think it's definitely um, important to have those self-care things in place so that we can have the energy to take on the world, especially in the capacity that you ladies do in supporting other small businesses. But before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online to learn more about you, more about Hello Alice and everything that you guys have to offer.
1: Sure. So helloalice.com is our website. And for all of you small business owners, I highly encourage you to look at the work we're doing around giving you access to grants and capital. So we're here for you. Carol and I are both just our full names on social media. So Carolyn Rods, R-O-D-Z, and then Elizabeth Gore, G-O-R-E, on our different social channels. And uh, we'd love to hear from you and to support everything y'all are doing. And and thank you for getting everyone's voices out there. I walk in my stillos is such a an important voice for women. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much. I will have all of your contact info in the details section of the episode so they can connect with you directly. They won't have to search too far. And uh, for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom, kind of like a rapid fire, you know, uh, if you can keep your answers to one word or one sentence. Sometimes it's not so rapid because I ask you to unpack, <laughs> but let me know when you're ready. All, ready. Right. <laughs> all right. What's the best advice you've ever received? My
1: grandma told me to keep my head up high and give them hell. Mine
2: uh, would be to keep perspective, um, just being able to see things from from all sides.
0: What's the worst advice you've ever received?
2: Don't start Hello Alice. <laughs> Do it my way. I think so. There's, there's always so many ways to tackle a problem. And I think when, when somebody's telling you that there's, there's one path, I think that's been proven wrong time and time again.
0: Absolutely. Name one book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. The Power of Now. I love both of those books. I've read both of them. Awesome books. <laughs> if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere... With anything on it, what would it say, and why? Mm, Invest in women because we all need to, and it'll make everyone money. (laughs) Love it.
2: Something we say a lot at Hello Alice, but own your adventure. It's it's yours. You get one shot at it, and and take ownership of it.
0: Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made, and that could be of money, time, energy. Saying yes to my husband to marry him.
2: I was Love going to say it. the same thing, Elizabeth. Wow. <laughs> I would say the same. I think finding a, a great, a great partner. I think in business and in family, um, finding a great partner for the journey.
0: Love it. Last but not least, what impact do you want to have on the world?
1: I want, um, I want to empower my children to have
2: happy lives. Yeah, I think giving opportunity. I think just in in many manifestations, but I think making sure that there is a whatever that means and whatever the, 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 jury should be, I think just making sure that there's opportunity for it, for, for the people in my, in my orbit.
0: I love that. Has there been any question that either of you have ever wanted to answer in an interview, but the question has never been asked? Is there anything that you want to share with the world that no interviewer has asked you before? That is such a good question. You stumped me on this one.
1: I think uh, maybe it would be What is the hardest thing you face every day? I think that's a very hard question, and it's an important one for us all to talk about.
2: And I'd say how how can we do this better together? And I think in a lot of things that we're tackling as a world today, there's a lot of effort going on behind so many different things. And it seems like more and more over time, there's a lot of friction in those efforts. But I think really thinking about what are we learning in the work that we're all doing that where we actually are working together—that's what's working.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so for for both of you, so Elizabeth, you said the daily struggles. What is your daily struggle, and for Carolyn, like what what is working? <laughs> um, I think that just people acknowledging how
1: hard they are in their, themselves. I think that is something that certainly for me, and I think it's particularly entrepreneurs who are driving and motivated, sometimes that motivation can be, you know, we are our toughest bosses. And I think, how do we acknowledge that?
2: Mm. Like that. Yeah. Uh, And on my side, I would say, you know, I think where, where we find like real collaboration happening, I think, and when, when there is both alignment and, and objectives and I think transparency in motives. And so I think the more all parties are like, this is what I, this is what I need to achieve to get out of this. And this is going to keep me excited about achieving this objective. It really helps everybody figure out a scenario that is taking those things into account and everybody can work, work towards the common goal. But I think so many times it's those, we never really talk about the why we're just talking about, we need to do this and we need to work in this, in this way. And we're not really honing in on the whys of each party.
0: Mm Hmm. Carolyn, Elizabeth, I want to thank you both for not only, you know, sharing your journey of Hello, Alice, but just sharing, you know, your transparency and and journey as women entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your gems. I truly, truly appreciate you, ladies. Thank you
2: so much for having us. This was awesome. Really great chatting with Kenny. You got my mind going on a lot of different things. (laughs) I
0: I try to ask the deep questions to get us thinking. There we go. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you both. Like I said, I, I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank, thank you. you. To all you legacy leavers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And I just want to thank each and every single one of you that continues to listen and help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% most popular shows in the world out of over 2.8 million podcasts. You can join the community of Legacy Leavers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at com and receive a free copy of the Gratitude Journal. And you can also grab a copy of any one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you could think of five women that would receive value from hearing Elizabeth and Caroline's story, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can Tag us on Instagram and let us know what resonated with you. You can tag Carolyn and Elizabeth at helloalice underscore com. That's at H E L L O A L I C E underscore com. And you can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.